0: You know, during these days, we've encouraged uh, everyone to uh, to take some initiative, right, in our in our uh, in our uh, lives, to uh, draw closer to God uh, during these days, uh, and uh, of, of counting the Omer, of of, uh, of uh, this anticipation of this on this journey from Passover to uh, Shavuot. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so, in, in order for us to make the most of it, I've encouraged us to, uh, engage in acts of loving kindness, right? Uh, acts of, uh, uh, tzedakah, as we might call it, or chesed, uh, acts of loving kindness, kindness. Uh, also, to be intentionally reading the scriptures, right? Perhaps we're involved in, in our, in a Bible reading plan, uh, or I've uh, encouraged us, uh, if you'd like to read uh, the book of Jeremiah, read uh, the, the book of Jeremiah. Certainly, uh, uh, as uh, the feedback I've gotten from that is, well, it really does certainly relate in a lot of ways you know, to, uh, to life today. There's a lot of uh, depth there, uh, a lot of depth there as well. And then praying specifically for one another, like taking the directory of the congregation, and praying for one another, but not just praying that, you know, we have a nice life, uh, that uh, things go well, that uh, the car works, I uh, have a job, you know, and I don't have any broken bones or a disease. Uh, now, those are good things to be praying about, right? But let's move further, right, as uh, we read in Ephesians chapter 1, and pray that the eyes of our heart would be opened to know the hope of his calling, to understand the inheritance in the holy ones, uh, and uh, the power uh, of God in our lives. Uh, in other words, uh, this is, uh, it's a way of describing a, uh, a, a deeper, uh, more devotional walk with God, right? Uh, and, um, so I thought about that, uh, and I thought that, well, you know, um, what does that mean, right? We talk about that. I think for many of us, it's a sort of like a feeling, right? Like, I just feel closer to God, right? That could have to do with what I've eaten, the temperature of the room, uh, and uh, just what's going on in my life. I just, you know, feel closer. Uh, feel better about God, or or uh, I understood something that I didn't understand before. That's, that's all good, all good. But we can really, you know, uh, uh, concretize uh, what it means, where we want to be at the end of this journey. Uh, there are concrete things uh, that we can work on or strive for uh, that demonstrates or depicts Sort of a deeper uh, relationship with God. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, several different virtues over the next number of weeks uh, for us to wrap our arms around uh, that this is the kind of person I want to be that demonstrates the living Messiah, you know, in uh, you know, in my life, in the life of my family, my community, uh, and so on, uh, and. Um, and so first, uh, we're calling them virtues. That's that's kind of an interesting word in and of itself, to call them virtues. Not just, um, uh, you know, uh, hoops to jump through. We're not talking about instructions. Uh, we're not talking about laws. Uh, we're talking, of course, uh, about a way of life. And when we say a way of life, a virtue means something that we really are. You know, not just something that we do. Of course, uh, a virtuous act action means it's coming. You know, I, I'm engaging in it, and it's good. And, you know, and moral, and ethical, and worthy, and and all of that. But it's part of who I am. It's not just doing it because God said I better do it, uh, so I'm doing it, right? But uh, really cultivating. Uh, a way of a, a way of life, right? A way of life. Okay, uh, and so as we engage God more and more, uh, the more we're identified with Him and have a desire to be like Him. But the transforming power of God, you know, is what makes it uh, happen. You know, when we talk about uh, these things, virtues, and, uh, you know, being identified uh, with the Lord, uh, it's kind of like I, w- I was, I was uh, mentioning this, I don't remember where, but it all kind of flows together, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, when, it, when a young person is in high school, uh, by the way, did our, do we have any teens here today? Uh, right? I, I forgot to say stay in the service. Oh, good. Okay. You stayed in the service. That's a good thing. That when you're in high school, oftentimes there is this uh, feeling of where do I fit in? Where do I identify? You know, uh, and and the good thing about talking about this is no matter how old you are, at some point in history past, you uh, you dealt with this. Where do I fit in? Where do I fit in? And um, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, kids think about well. I guess I fit in as, uh, I'm gonna be, uh, a sports guy. Uh, or I'm gonna be a, uh, you know, um, I have to use terms that go back too far in history. Uh, so I'm, I'm not gonna say them. I, uh, I'm, I'm gonna be like, uh, just, uh, uh I'm gonna, uh, you know, dress a certain, I'll just say it like that. I'm gonna dress a certain way so I can identify with this group. Or I'm gonna speak a certain way. Or I'm going to engage in an activity a certain way, so I'm going to be, you know, part of that crowd, right? Right. Well, you know, I as I uh, what what I'm talking about here is that as we engage God more and more in in all the things that we're doing in the scriptures and prayer and and uh, you know, receiving edifying uh, edifying conversation and and encouragement that. we develop a desire to be, so to speak, part of that crowd and to uh, think like that crowd and be and be like that. But the difference is, is the transformation that comes from God, that there is a supernatural activity that goes along with my desire uh, to be that way. It's not just my desire to be that way, and it isn't. That I have no desire that be, be that way, and I'm going to wake up tomorrow when God's going to zap me. Neither one of those work, right? Uh, it's I have a desire that gets cultivated, you know, in all the ways that we've just said, and then the transforming power uh, of uh, of God. So the first one of these, uh, the first one of these virtues, uh, I thought we would talk about very briefly uh, today uh is uh humility. Humility. Okay. Uh humility, uh, interestingly enough, is considered the the ground of all virtues. Uh whether you're talking about the, the Jewish world and oftentimes in the Christian world as well. Uh, and so I just wanted to read uh a little quote here, a couple of little quotes. Uh, about uh, humility. There is a, there is a book, uh, I think I have it on the shelf or somewhere, okay? Uh, it's called Duties of the Heart. I don't know if any of you ever heard of that book, Duties of the Heart. It's uh, one of those books that was written about three, four hundred years ago, uh, you know, by a, a famous a rabbi living in a in a little village uh, somewhere in europe uh, that uh uh became uh, sort of a, you know an, an important book of uh, encouraging people uh, to uh, engage a god in chesed in in loving kindness and so on I don't know if the Amazon, and I don't know if it's going to be there, but don't do it. I'm going to let. You, I want to know what time you're going to be checking it out, so don't don't be doing that in the next uh, few minutes, okay? Anyway, the point is, I uh, is uh, there's a question in in this book, and it's uh, on what do the virtues depend? On what do the virtues depend? And the answer is, all virtues and duties are dependent on on humility, that everything begins with uh, humility. You know, in the Talmud. Uh, there is a uh, there's a great uh, statement on this, kind of famous. One who sacrifices a whole offering shall be rewarded for a whole offering. One who offers a burnt offering shall have the reward of a burnt offering. But one who offers humility to God and man shall be rewarded with a reward as if he had offered all the sacrifices in the world." Uh, and so it just goes to show you how uh, important uh, in, uh, in the Jewish world uh, humility is. Uh, and, uh, and of course, we read about it throughout the Bible. What do we read in Psalm 51? A humble and contrite heart God is not going to despise. You, you know, uh, you know it's co- what's kind of funny about that, just interjecting this, what's funny about that is that oftentimes, the way that we portray a godliness is everything but a humble and contrite heart. You know, uh, power. I I fear nothing or no one. I am a messiah follower. Victory. You, you know. I uh, uh, and 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 sort of that type of uh, uh, su- pseudo spiritual uh, machismo. Did I pronounce that wrong? Machismo. Machismo. You're you're you okay? I've got a few cringes there. Okay, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. But isn't that's the opposite of a a humble and and a contrite heart? I, uh, like when you look at those Facebook memes. I don't see too much humility, uh, you, you know. Uh, and so it probably is good that we're uh, talking about this. Uh, that we're talking about this today. Now, in the Hebrew Bible, in the the Tanakh, there's a number of words that are used that that translate uh, humility, humble or humility. They all have to do with, physically, they all have to do with affliction, being poor, uh, laying low, uh, you you know, uh, that kind of thing, being being destitute, But they're used metaphorically to describe what it means, you know, to be humble, uh, in, in heart. Uh, in the New Covenant also, when you look at the actual meaning of the good thing about it, in the B'rit Harasha, you don't have as many uh, Greek words, you know, that, that describe it, a couple. Uh, but again, I, uh, they mean, um, to be, uh, uh, deficient in some way, you know. Uh, however, what's very interesting is that in the Brit HaRashai, in the New Covenant, uh, humility and being humble is given, especially in the uh, you know in the letters of Paul, uh, are given a new meaning, basically, uh, of uh, 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 in in ways that these Greek words were not used. In the secular world, in the secular world, they were used in a very negative way. This was not some kind of, uh, great character trait. It was very negative. And Paul turns it on its head. But of course, the reason he does that is because throughout the entire Tanakh, the idea of humility is turned on its head from the you know from the world uh, around it and it's true to this day that um we we are living in a day now i'm going to say it's probably not too different from days past we love to think of we romanticize the past like it was wonderful but uh i would suggest that we just have a lot more uh, information now uh, uh accessible to us about it that we're we are living in a day where I am the king. In fact, as we'll see, that uh, when you look in the Bible about what um, what uh, humility uh, means, one way, one thing it means is the opposite of pride. <laughs> pride is the name of the game in the world we live in. You want to be proud. Pride, it's about me. It's about my, uh, you know, uh, about what's good for me. I, I, uh, and and so the the fact of the matter is is that uh, humility in our world is sort of like a trait that is it's not frowned upon certainly uh, you know people think of it as a good thing but may I say for most people it may be a good thing but it's not my thing right because I have my rights I I have my privileges I have my entitlements. I have what belongs to me, and it's not fair if I don't have I uh, what belongs to me. I uh, and if somebody uh, you know uh, says something that I don't like, that is a major affront. It's just all about me, uh, and so it's not too different, frankly, ancient world when you really when you really think about it. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, it really is uh, a kind of convicting when, when, you, when you really uh, think about it. So what does the Bible have to say? First, let's, let's look at a few verses uh, about it. You know, we first read, uh, in most English translations anyway, uh, about being humble actually uh, having to do with Pharaoh, <laughs> of, of all things. In Exodus chapter 10 and verse 3, it says, And Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Okay. So here, humbling oneself is to do what God wants, to obey, regardless of who you are. Uh, whether it is, uh, you know, people in covenant relationship with God, the Hebrews, Israelites, or Pharaoh, okay? Uh, how long will you refuse to humble yourself uh, before me? Then we have, and I'm always reticent to use this passage for all kinds of reasons, but it's a great passage. In 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 7, in, in verse 14, when I, uh, when Israel is being called back to God, we read this. Uh, and it's very helpful in this uh, uh, context. And my people who are called by my name, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land." And so humility really is uh, uh, very much related not only to just doing uh, what God says to do, but has to do with prayer, seeking God, repentance, uh, the forgiveness, basically a relationship uh, with God. And what we're seeing here, and as we will see, is that in the Bible first and foremost humility or being humble has to do with understanding where we fit in in our connection to God and that's why it's the ground of all virtue because if we don't understand where we fit in in our connection with God we won't get any of it right we might try or we might have it, like, sort of skewed a little bit, you know? But we won't really have it right unless we start with where we fit into God. Not where we fit into this world, but where we fit in with uh, uh, a God. You know, uh, in Proverbs uh, 22 and verse 4, it says, "...the reward of humility, the fear of the Lord, our riches, honor, and life." The point I, I want, just want to make there is that humility is identified with fearing God. Fear of the Lord, if, if one might say, yes, I have within me the fear of the Lord, that is called humility uh, in, in the Scriptures. Okay. In other words, it starts with God. By the way, that fear of the Lord, it's a pretty interesting thing, right? Uh, maybe we ought to have uh, Dr. Meyer come after the Day of the Lord, Go to the fear of the Lord, right? That might be pretty interesting, I think. Uh, You you know, it's the beginning of wisdom, right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what do we say about wisdom? Wisdom, uh, biblical wisdom, is understanding the order of God from creation, you see, and fearing the Lord, understanding that God is sovereign, understanding that God is the Creator, understanding uh, that I am accountable to Him—that it all starts with Him—in uh, terms of my life, my 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 birth, my death, my life, my destiny. It all starts uh, with God. Uh, that is wisdom to understand that, uh, and also uh, that is called humility. In other words, it's not about me. It's not about my, remember that advertiser for MasterCard? How did that go again? I'm the master of my destiny or something like that, you know? I, uh, there you go. Definitely, uh, you know, when you, when you watch a television, you really, if you pay attention in, in the right way, you really see a mirror of the culture, right? a mirror of the culture in so many different ways. Same thing with music. We're learning that in our ecclesiastes class, by the way. That in the culture, that uh, you know, whether it be music, art, uh, doesn't this just take us back to good old Francis Schaeffer? Uh you, you know, we're living below the line of despair, right? Uh but anyway, this idea of fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord and and humility, it all starts with God. In Zephaniah, another uh, great uh, passage where you read, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. And so humility uh, uh, is identified with living a, a Torah way of life, seeking righteousness. Uh, identifying with God in covenant relationship uh, and all of that. Then there is a wonderful passage uh, uh, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter eight, when the children of Israel are on the plains of Moab. They're going to enter into the land, right? And now Moses is reminiscing, and uh, and and he well, not really, just reminiscing. You know, remembering the good old days. I don't think Moses. If you ask Moses, one were the good old days, he'd have to really think hard on that. Um, But uh, but, uh, uh, Moses is explaining what was going on with all those difficulties in the wilderness. And he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so here, humility is dependence Humility is dependence on God that flies in the face of everything we know about the virtuous, dare I say, American way. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps, be independent, and that, and, and you can get anything you want or be anything you want. Where the scriptures teach dependence. Depending on God. Depending on God. You know, by the way, you know, it's the same thing when we say, we talk about rights. You know, rights. I heard a political advertisement not too long ago where the politician said, our rights come from God. Our rights come from God. You know, I yell at the television sometimes and I say, chapter and verse. Right there, chapter and verse. Which rights? You know, when I read the Bible, I read about servanthood. I read about dependence on God. I I I, I read about humility, this great virtue. Uh, you, you know, I don't read a whole lot about my rights. You know, that's oftentimes uh, a, a frame that's read into the text. Uh, and, uh, you know, so humility, dependence... Uh, on God, when things get tough, what we do is we rely on him. We trust in him for his wisdom to make right choices, to do the right thing, right? Dependence on God. And, of course, our will, our desire for righteousness, right? Okay, in the Brit in the New Covenant, we read, uh, for example... Uh, that uh, there the emphasis is more that humility is the opposite of pride. It's like the opposite of pride. For example, uh, you read in 1 Peter 5.5, 5, these are just representative verses. There's many, many verses. You young men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to to the proud, but gives grace to the humble, and that is a quote basically from the Septuagint uh, in Proverbs three thirty four. The Lord opposes the arrogant, but he hum he but he gives the humble favor or or grace. You know, when we think about that, I um for example, another place is in Proverbs ten nineteen. A number of them are in Proverbs. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. When pr- another passage, when pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom, right? Uh, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. The only point I want to make is you see that uh, here, uh, humility is the opposite of arrogance, the opposite of pride. You can't have both. Uh, the arrogant one is one who boasts, one who brags, presumptuous, thinking very much of myself, uh, you know, uh, and uh, and who I am, uh, uh, and we would never say this, but that the world kind of revolves around me, right? All right. Now it is kind of interesting that there is actually uh, a place uh, in the scriptures where we read about God. Being humble. Now that's a bit I've come to learn, that's a big topic, right? Can God be humble? Is there a humility to God? And what a lot of authors will write is, well, you know, he is the creator, so he's in a different category, which of course is true, obviously. It's, you know, it, it, it's true. But, you know, in Psalm 113, it actually says, God humbles himself. God humbles himself. Uh, who is like the Lord our God, who was enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. And then the passage goes on. That's pretty interesting, because what the psalmist in the Tanakh is saying uh, is that there is a humility to God in his care for people. In his care for people. Uh, and uh, and that is uh, very interesting. So so the reason that is interesting because when you come to the uh Brit uh, Khara we know that Yeshua demonstrates humility. He is humility uh and he uh, uh teaches on uh on humility. Uh and we know that when Yeshua came He reached down into this world, uh, not just, not just from a distance, but he became like one of us, right? Uh, and so that in and of itself demonstrates, uh, the, uh, the humility, uh, of the Lord. Right, You know, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble uh, in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden uh, is light. So he demonstrates humility in his identification uh, with humanity uh, and says to us, Come to me and take my yoke on you. In other words, I will walk with you in your life carrying the burdens that you have in life along with you. I will bear them. My yoke is easy. My load is light. I'll take the weight on me. That is what God says. That is what the Messiah says. And this was, of course, radical in its day, because in the ancient world, the gods were absolutely prideful. The gods were absolutely haughty. And the goal of a human being was to feed the gods so that they don't step on me and kill me and do away with me. Right? Sadly, sometimes that's, that's a faulty understanding, a perverted understanding that we have. Uh, of the God of Israel. But God, yes, we are accountable to him, but he is absolutely benevolent. What did I say about the Day of Atonement, right? That isn't it amazing that God built into the system a way back, a way of forgiveness, a way to return, because that is indeed the heart of of God, uh, and certainly in his life, Yeshua showed this. Uh, showed this uh, humility, and of course, you know, in uh, Philippians uh, chapter two, we have here this great hallmark passage—not hallmark, not hallmark <laughs> this really great, fantastic passage. I can already see the movie now. Okay, all right. God forbid. All right. So uh, we read. Uh, we read this beginning in verse one. If therefore there is any encouragement in Messiah, if there is any con- consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, which he is saying "if" means there is. He's saying that you know rhetorically there is these things. Okay. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. And do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. The only way to do that, the way this is describing it, is if we are grounded in our relationship with God, and we understand that there is no way to uh, to uh, truly live this way without understanding where we fit in in our connection uh, with, uh, in our connection with God. If we're really going to do these things, we need to understand, we need to understand this. So before we look more at that, right, we need to understand it's not just, okay, I just need to try to be nicer to people, you you know, uh, there's more to it than that. Uh, If we're really going to be empowered in humility and really be humble the way Yeshua understands it and desires for us to be, there's some things we need to understand. For example, you know, in John chapter 15, in verse 45, we read, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch can bear fruit of itself, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So if we really want to experience this kind of way of life, we need to do all the things that we talk about. The prayer, the the scripture, the uh, engaging, you know, practicing uh, acts of uh, kindness, uh, and, of course, also being in fellowship uh, with others. We need to uh, understand uh, that, uh, you know, we're created in the image and likeness of God, uh, and that God has placed us in this world under him, under his authority to oversee the world, but because of sin, we are stuck in a sphere of rebellion and darkness. We are stuck in a sphere of rebellion and darkness. And just as we were talking about this past Tuesday night in our uh, uh, Chavura group, we don't know that, we don't see that until we're already in the light. Most people are not walking around saying, geez, you know, I'm really a child of wrath. You know, I, this is really a, a darkness. Now, if the Spirit of God is convicting us, we might be headed in, in that direction. But what does Paul say? He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He says, remember, remember this, you know, uh, in which you were f- in which you formerly past tense walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest but god being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with the Messiah and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. We need to remember that, that there's no way on our own we could be delivered. That's what mercy is. He reaches down and pulls us out and saves us because we're sinking in the quicksand and we can't get out ourselves. Grace is, I don't deserve to be pulled out of the quicksand, right? Mercy is, God sees our sorry condition and delivers us. We need to remember that, okay? Uh, oftentimes, you know, after after you have, you know, kind of been a Messiah follower for a little while, been around the block a few times, you know, we kind of forget those things. But they need to always be on the front burner, So that we know, you know, uh, who we are. Now, that does not mean that, uh, we view ourselves as worthless worms. Humility does not mean that we're worthless. Having a horrible view of ourselves is not humility. In fact, it's kind of related to pride. Because our focus is so much on myself. It's way unhealthy. Too much focus on me can really be depressing. But you don't want to go the opposite direction and think of too highly of yourself. You know, that humility is having the right view of who I am, where I was, what God has done in me, what he is doing me, and recognize that if I don't abide in him, I can do nothing, and that he is the one who assures my future. It's not about me. It's not about me. When we have that understanding, that's what he means when he says, if there's any encouragement in Messiah, you know, in Messiah, we are in him, right? Uh, And so then back here in Philippians, uh, when he says here, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That flies, it sounds nice. Uh, you know, now we can talk about Hallmark. Yeah. It's kind of like nice on a greeting card. Or it's a nice, you know, uh, a nice saying. But it's not always nice to live, because ingrained in us is looking out for our own personal interests, no matter what we say. And it really takes an act of God in our lives to really be concerned for the interests of others. And this is what Yeshua demonstrated. He says, it says, have this attitude, which is where it begins, this understanding, this attitude, in yourselves that was also in Messiah Yeshua, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, wow! You know, uh, he is exalted. He's the greatest of all time, right? But in his love for us, he did what it took to meet the needs of humanity, right? He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the tree, even death on the cross. And so his sufferings, his humiliation, all of that was looking out for us. How unfair! You know uh, how uh, uh, selfless can you be? And this is, of course, uh, what Yeshua tried to inculcate during his life. For example, uh, you know, uh, in the in the Gospel of Mark. This again is just just human nature. You talk about looking out for number one. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, in the tenth chapter, you have the uh, you know you have here James and John. Wouldn't we say they're kind of you know they're uh, they're top notch apostles right there, uh, James and John, right? I mean these are guys that Yeshua loved. He called them, you know they they dropped everything. Uh, they're, they're serving with the Lord. Uh, if you ever wanted to be like an apostle, boy, James and John. You know, Peter's another one. But here you got James and John. Well, look what they say. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Don't we all do that? What's unusual about that? Right? And he said to them, "What do you want me to do for you?" See, usually in this little story, we freak, we we skip over that part. "God, this is what I need you to do for me." We pray that way all the time. <laughs> you you know? Uh, I I and he says, now he doesn't say, "What do you how could you say something like that?" No, he says, "What do you want me to do?" Because Yeshua knew just what was coming. Okay, And they said to him, grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. See, like, we, I don't want the whole thing. I'm willing to share it with uh, John here, you know? Okay? But Yeshua said to them, you do not know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or to be immersed with the immersion of which I am about to be immersed, meaning not water, but suffering and death. And they said, yes, yes, we're able, you know. And Yeshua said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink, and you shall be immersed with the immersion of which I am immersed. But to sit at my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but but it is for those to whom it has been prepared okay? Then he says this, and hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. Like who do they think they are? All right? And calling them to himself, Yeshua said, "You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. but it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great, among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be the first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What a demonstration of humility. Yeshua is saying it's not, you know, uh, it's not about me, you know, so to speak, uh, and uh, and again, when we are so presumptuous to talk about our entitlement as Messiah followers, we're acting just like James and John here, just like them, you know. I, I in uh, Matthew chapter twenty-three, in verse twelve, uh, we read, "Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled." right? And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted, right? The greatest among you shall be your servant. That should be our preoccupation, that where can I serve? How can I serve? How can I serve whoever is needy and needful of service? You know, not this uh, pseudo entitlement of, of spirituality of I'm this and I'm that and all of that. What must God think? What does Yeshua say in another place to his uh, apostles? Take up your cross and follow me. You know this doesn't sound really appetizing. I uh, you know I and Yeshua was making a point of counting the costs. And recognizing you have to embody the virtue of humility if you want to be exalted, ultimately. And, of course, again, when you go back to that passage in Philippians chapter 2, what's the next thing we read? Is that God highly exalted Yeshua, right? God highly uh, exalted him, uh, and uh, t- you know to uh, to where uh, he is now. And for ourselves, true also. So we read here: uh, uh, therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the the, the name that is above every name. Okay, uh, and uh, uh, and and so recognize that that. When we live this way, ultimately, there's a resurrection. Ultimately, there is life forever with God. And if we're looking to be right with God or to be seated, so to speak, you know, in heavenly places with him, we need to live out this humility uh, before this world. And again, it comes from this understanding of who we are in the Lord. You know, and the closer we get to God, there's a real paradox here. Just kind of finishing up. There's a paradox. You might think, well, the closer I get to God, the more empowered I'm going to feel. Well, if Isaiah was standing here, he would have a little bit of a different, uh, testimony. In, uh, chapter six, he sees the glory of God. Is he jumping for joy? Is he saying, whoa, yes, yes, I've made it. Yes. Oh, the, oh, it's overwhelming. No. Oi, they, right? As R.C. Sproul, uh, titled, uh, one of his chapters in his book, The Holiness of God, right? Oi, they, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I am of a people of unclean lips. The closer he got to God, the more he realized, the more humbled he became. The closer he got to God, the more he realized his need of God for forgiveness, his need of God for a spiritual uh, healing. And in weeks to come, we're going we're to revisit this passage uh, uh, when we talk about words that come out of our mouth. Right, and and so we have to. Re- this is what we have to remember. Oh, I, you know, the closer I get to God, the more we say, "Oh, I was a child of wrath. I lived in darkness. God has delivered me." Oh, you know, and then the scrutinizing that goes on. But in Isaiah's case, it didn't draw him far from God. He was right there. It was, you know, send me. Here I am. Send me. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and so this is uh, certainly what we need to, to, uh, to remember. So what do we do? Well, when we talk about this, living this way, it means one thing is seeing other people as God sees them, right? Not just how they affect me. My determination of relationship with people is not based on what they can do for me if they make me feel good. Or they, uh, you know, they can uh, just speak into my life. That's all good and everything. But with all people, we need to see them as also created in the image and likeness of God and have that mind of humility that cares about others and not we're not merely caring about ourselves. And it's not based on... You know, do I want to be like them? Do I admire them? Uh, do we have things in common? Uh, do they have an easygoing personality? Uh, you know, all those kinds of things. Uh, another one is, see difficult people as like walking in the wilderness. Like what Moses was saying about, about our ancestors when they were in the wilderness. You know, I humbled you by uh, uh, by taking away tasty food to see if you would re- you know it was a test to see if you would rely on me or may i suggest encountering difficult situations with people see it as oh this is a teachable moment from god to learn humility and to care for people even if i have to bear with them another thing is stop talking how's that stop talking And listen, listen, that shows great dignity. And let's stop seeing ourselves as God's gift to the world, a sense of entitlement, I deserve this, these are my rights, we are better than everyone else in uh, in any which way, shape, or form. And then, uh, you know, remember that you are accepted for who you are and you don't have to be perfect. That's a great thing about humility, right? That God accepts us the way we are. He receives us back because uh, receiving forgiveness is a great part of uh, being humble. Receiving forgiveness and, of course, uh, forgiving, uh, forgiving others. And lastly, in the uh, Gospel of uh, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Uh, We read about a banquet, okay? We read about this banquet uh, where where Yeshua says, you know, when you come to the banquet, don't sit in the seats of honor, right? But basically uh, give them to to someone else. We read, he began speaking a parable uh, to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out places of honor at the table saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you shall come and say, give place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at, who all who are at the table with you for everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled but he who humbles himself shall be exalted and so uh, the last thing to say really is uh, let's make room at the table make room at the table for others the more we make room at the table for others the more we will see God at work in our lives, having this mind of humility, appreciating what God has done for us, uh, and therefore having that kind of mindset in all of our uh, relationships. That is the ground of all of the virtues, this sense of humility. So as we journey together... Uh, uh, on this journey from Passover to Shavuot, may we cultivate this mindset, this lifestyle of humility. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, I pray for us that we might now think, you know, am I, uh, am I practicing humility? Am I a humble person? Not just doing humble things. Am I a humble person? Uh, Lord, and I pray that you might convict us of areas in our lives where we are lacking in that way. And uh, Lord, may we become just more like you. May we, so to speak, lose ourselves in you, uh, Lord. May we uh, bear that uh, cross, Lord. May we die, as it were, daily to ourselves and live in you, Lord. We thank you and we receive that message and challenge in our lives. We pray in the size name. Amen.